You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have somewhat of an unusual guest here with me today. His name is Hunter Garnell. Hunter is a personal injury lawyer, and here's what makes him so unusual. Hunter, we met through business a couple of weeks ago. I think you told me you're 30 years old, and you get about 30% of all cases in your geographical market. And you've started your law firm roughly December of 2021, which of the time of this recording is about a year and a half ago. I don't know anybody else who has accomplished what you have accomplished in this short of a time. Tell me how you got there. Well, and I should clarify, so the market that I have a significant percentage of cases in is my home county, which is where I grew up, and it's very it's very small. But where my office is, you know, my my total market I have I'm a small player, you know, one, two percent of the market. But I do think what we've done in Morgan County is is impressive. I think the best thing that we've done is take really good care of you and be very intentional about trying to stay top of mind, whether that's through community involvement, social media, you know, staying in touch with former clients and referral partners. So there's a 10,000 foot view of kind of what we're doing. How did you get to where you are? Well, just kind of some background. So I grew up on a farm in North Alabama, the oldest of seven kids. I didn't know what I wanted to do for for most of my childhood. Thought I wanted to be a farmer, and so but I went to college and just kind of things fell into the right place. I had a professor that encouraged me to go to law school. Went to law school, fell in love with the courtroom. Really, just wanted to try cases, and I didn't know what type of trial lawyer I wanted to be. But I took a took a job with a personal injury law firm up in Huntsville. And I was there for four and a half years, and it didn't take long. Like literally a week for me to realize that this is. I love this. I love representing real people. And I think that's been the key to my success is when you really like what you do, it's a whole lot easier to be to be successful. And so I started getting cases pretty quickly, mostly because the little town that I'm from, there's just not a lot of lawyers. Not I don't know of any personal injury attorneys that are from my little community. Now, it's not a big community, 10, 15,000 people, but that's enough people that when you have 10 or 15,000 people in a community and you only have couple hundred raving fans that go out of their way to to encourage folks to hire you you can you can dominate a small market like that so that's pretty much what we've got going for us is we're in a you know my little county of 10 15 my little community of 10 or 15,000 is in a county of about a hundred thousand and so having you know a significant portion of that community as fans of my law firm that just drives a lot of traffic to our to our firm Actually, a couple of lessons there to unpack, but let me ask you this before we get into that. Okay. How did you decide on personal injury specifically? Well, to be honest, I didn't decide. I just kind of fell into it. I wanted to try cases. I met a couple of really good personal injury lawyers that were looking for an associate that wanted to try cases. And it, it was sheer luck that I fell into personal injury. And it didn't take long. It took, only took me about a week to realize that this is what God had been preparing me for. My whole life. I had a lot of doors slammed in front of me in order to get me to where I am today. How many cases do you have in the pipeline now? Mm, about, we, we've settled some since you and I talked about 220, somewhere in there. 
it would take five. So let, let's break it down. About 220 cases in the pipeline. The community is about 15,000 people. Some of those cases come outside of the community, but majority of them are coming from within the community. I'd say about half come directly from uh, kind of my community. Yeah. So I get to talk to two, three, sometimes four attorneys per day. Most of the people that I get to talk to years into the practice, sometimes decades into their practice, don't have 220 cases pending. They just don't. So the lessons that I think we should unpack here, and I want you to expand on this, and especially fill in any gaps if I miss something, is number one, when you're thinking about it, you do not need a very large market to be successful. And the other thing is you need to stay focused. And that is you could have chosen to go into personal injury and family law and criminal defense and see it in a way that you would be getting more cases. But I believe that the opposite is true. When you're focused on one thing and one thing only and people understand what it is that you do for them when they need help of an attorney, that they're more likely to come to you. And if you become that center of that small universe, you're much more likely to become successful than if you're trying to do everything or many different things for a lot of different people in the very large geographical market. Did I miss anything or is there anything else that you could expand on there? No, I think you, I think you nailed it. And I'll just kind of, open up the playbook a little bit for folks and tell tell you what my niche markets are okay and here's the beautiful thing about when you have a niche when you when you have a narrow market that you're targeting you can share information with whoever you want to because if it's the perfect niche for you it, does, it my competitors can't come into my 10,000 person community and and reinvent what I've done or even or even compete and so my two little in this markets, one's my little hometown, okay? And I'm the only lawyer from there, 10, 15,000 people, and they have influence throughout the county, and it's 100,000 people. Listen, if you get 25, 30, 40% of the cases in a 100,000 population community, that's still, that's a bunch of cases. So that's kind of the first thing. And then the next thing is I ride horses. Grew up on a cow farm. I, you know, I'm a weekend cowboy, all right? That's another one of my niches is North Alabama is kind of a hotbed for, for, for cowboys and they travel to Texas, they travel to Georgia, um, a lot of cowboys have come through Alabama. And so I'm also the cowboy personal injury lawyer. So like I pick up probably a case or two a month from different referral partners that I have within the cowboy community. And, uh, and the great thing about that is nobody can, no Morgan Morgan can't come in and take my, you know, Cut, take that away from me. Um, so I like that. And I think one of the keys to success is boiling down to the smallest niche that, that you can. And then the next thing that you kind of touched on that I want to expand on, we've all got former clients. Part of my business model too is I want to help as many people as I can while I'm early on in my career because there's a snowball effect to referrals. You know, the more, the more folks that you help, the more potential referral partners that you have. Here's the thing. I think if, if, attorneys that listen to this podcast go back and they look at which clients referred to them. It's probably clients that they've helped recently. Okay. And the reason for that is uh, you're top of mind. Okay. We're top of mind with our clients. When after we hand them that big check, we're never going to be on their mind more than we are immediately after they get that, that settlement check. 
uh, the next day, we're on their mind a little less, but they're still likely to think about us. A year later, they hear a car accident, they're still thinking about us, but 10 years later, they've forgotten your name, they forgot where your office is, they've definitely forgotten your phone number, unless you're intentionally staying top of mind with them. So that's something that you know we try to do is we have systems in place and we have little tickler reminders to, to stay top of mind with our clients as often as possible, but at a minimum six times a year. And it's not spammy. It's not real advertising. It's just kind of checking in in as many ways as possible, reminding them that uh, we help them and we uh, would appreciate it if they would help us and help their friends and family. Put them in touch with a good lawyer. Let me ask you a curveball of a question. Okay. Tomorrow, due to some unforeseen but severe circumstances, you have to move a thousand miles away. You have to start anew. And there's no way you can come back. You don't know anybody. You moved to Chicago where I am. That's about seven, 800 miles north. You don't know anybody. What do you do to rebuild that pipeline? Well, Chicago would be hard, okay? Because it's a, um, any city, any urban environment would be tricky for me because I'm going to have a harder time relating to somebody that grew up in, in a big city than I do somebody that grew up in a small town. Okay, so I think the first the first kind of caveat I would have or issue I would have with your question is, I think you need to practice law and and find a niche where you can relate to your ideal client. If your ideal client has nothing in common with you, you're going to have a hard time uh, representing those folks. I mean, the reason that I am the cowboy lawyer is because they're my people and I can relate to them and I can I enjoy representing them. So that's the first caveat. Now, if you put me in any small town in Wyoming, you know, North Dakota, Texas, I would do the same thing that I'm doing. I would pick a niche, probably a small community, and I would get plugged in. And I would, uh, you know, have boots on the ground. I'd be at schools. I'd be at sporting events. I would be a part of the community. I'd be a fixture of the community. And then um, I would also find whatever my hobby is, whatever my interests, my passions are, whether it's pick up basketball you know, for me, it's rodeo and cowboy stuff. It could be, you know, any kind of sport. That's a great, that's a great thing to find common interest to somebody over. But I would find a, um, I'd find a demographic that, uh, that I enjoy being around. And I would also try to pick a demographic in a community that doesn't have a lot of lawyers in the community. Okay. If you go to the suburbs of any major city, I mean, every neighborhood's going to have multiple attorneys. I tend to put myself in communities where, one, I'm the only lawyer that these folks know, and also everybody that they know probably doesn't know a single lawyer, at least not well. I don't play golf. Now, I just never thought really to get into it. It's a lawyer thing to do. But to me, as a personal injury lawyer, you're trying to generate business. I don't think it happens at the golf course. Probably not, unless you're golfing with a lot of other lawyers. Yeah. Or doctors, you know, like if you take a, an orthopedic surgeon and play golf, that's probably a great use of your time. For sure. I am super curious if life dealt with such a curveball that you had to move to a major city. But sometimes that happens. Let, let me give you a quick story. One of my dear colleagues, 25 years ago, large family, seven kids also. Her, one of her youngest siblings was born with a heart defect. They lived in a smaller community in Arizona. The only way for that baby to have a fighting chance, they had to move to L.A. Father, business owner. Picked up the family, 
dumped everything he could and they moved to LA. Completely different community. I don't know if they ever been to LA before then, but life dealt them a curveball. That baby recently celebrated 25th birthday. His business was in shambles. Like he had to start from scratch. Like from scratch, that business that he left behind in Arizona, that got dissipated real quick. Four months. He left his uh, brother, who was his business partner behind, and his brother was the doer, and he was the business mind. Yeah. So in four months, business dried up. No more paychecks, nothing. They're fighting for survival of this kid, and he's starting from scratch. Like, if, God forbid, you ever dealt that type of circumstances, what would you do? It's you a curveball question. I get it. Totally. Part of it would depend. Part of my answer depends on if I'm sticking with personal injury. You know, like, like I had an advantage in personal injury because it's my type of people are who's in, in accidents. Okay. It's typically plant workers, construction workers, school teachers, police officers, people that are on the road a lot are in bad accidents typically. In, a, in an urban environment, I might honestly go into like estate planning or will, something, will, will, so, something geared more towards like the demographic of the people that are, that are surrounded surrounding where i'm where i'm having to live but i would still do it the same way i would try to build community just your 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 target market your target individual the person that you're that you're trying to get close to may change but building communities you do it the same way whether you're doing it in an african-american community with with young men or whether you're doing it in you know any other community we actually we're building a niche in the hispanic community here in huntsville and we use the exact same strategies and tactics. It's just the content looks a little different, and the organizations that we're involved with they look different. Instead of having instead of having a big sponsorship at a rodeo, I've got a sponsorship at the men's rec soccer league, uh, the Spanish league. So anyway, I think community I think community is the way to do it. It's just how you go about it that changes a little bit based on who you're who you're trying to get in with. Great advice, not one that I've heard before. Really? Most, yeah, most, most lawyers do not think about it that way. Oh, man. So from, from those that I have gotten a chance to speak with, most attorneys, and I find that true after having spoken to probably thousands, I don't know how many thousands, but over the years, many thousands, most attorneys, incredibly smart people with poor business acumen. It's not taught in law schools. Business acumen yeah. is not a thing that you're born with. It's just not. Unless you grow up around family business and that business was operated correctly by your parents. So they teach you some of the things about business. Most of us are not born with it. So because of that poor business acumen, mm, thinking is different. The thinking is different, definitely. So I'm curious. And I know that you've been in business for yourself now for just about 18 months. What if you decide, you have, if you have ever thought about this, what if you decide to expand? How would you go into expanding into other geographical markets, be it in the state of Alabama, 50 miles away, or neighboring states, 250 miles away, whatever it may be? How would you go about that? I think the first way that I would expand is instead of expanding geographically, I would expand practice areas. I think I would expand other, you know, maybe I have a full service law firm here. But I send out enough like wills, trusts, and estates work, uh, business, cor corporate type work that I could bring somebody in house and keep them pretty pretty busy. 
geographically, I think the I think the play is Google Business Profile. Is by I think the play is picking as small a town as you can that's got any kind of volume at all, and uh, having a satellite office, having a Google Business Profile for your satellite office, and funnel as many of your reviews there as possible. And you can dominate little towns in Alabama with 20 reviews per profile. You'd be the top search result for shoot, probably 40 or 45 of the 67 counties in Alabama. So that's one thing I would do. Hey, and going back to community stuff too, but I wanted to touch, touch this real quickly. So the downside to my approach is it's hard to scale. Okay, there's only one of me. There's only one of my partner. There's only one, you know, we only have, there's only, we only have so much time. So one thing that we do, we can't physically call every former client. We can't call every referral partner every month is we use, um, you know, digital marketing to stay top of mind with our referral partners and our former clients. It's like, if you look at cost per impression, uh, you know, we get for, for two cents per impression, we can run a, a referral based ad to our former clients just to stay top of mind. And we do, we do stuff like that. Expand on that as most people for watching or listening to this will not know what you're talking about. So the first thing you gotta have, you gotta have email addresses for people. Okay. And hopefully that email address that they give you is the same email address that they set up their Facebook account with. If it is, there's a way to go into Facebook and build an audience of email addresses where you target just people that have those basically it's on that list. And so we do that, you know, we've got three, between 3,000 and 3,500 former clients that we have valid email addresses for. And so they see our content on Facebook. They see it more than just a random person. Cause here's the thing. They say that it takes seven impressions to, to impress somebody enough that they would consider hiring you or buying your product. Okay. Well, typically you're going to be lucky if one third of your ads actually get seen by, by the person. So you're looking at, you got to be in front of them 21 times before they'll remember your name, trust you at all and have any interest in, in ever talking to you. And then you got to hope that they're in a car accident basically. And so you can see if you want to influence a million people across your market, it adds up, okay? You got to influence a million people 21 times. I don't know about all of your listeners, but I don't have the money to influence a million people 21 times. But I do have the money to influence the 15,000 cowboys in North Alabama 21 times. You know, they've seen my ads more than seven times. They've heard my name more than seven times. They've seen my face more than seven times. And so I'm going to get those cases. Whereas if I had marketed to the whole 1 million, I'd be lucky if half the people in that whole area saw me one time. Um, they're never going to remember. So anyway. Yeah, actually. So I read a couple of studies that were published in the last three years that seven impressions, it's gone way up in the recent years. I don't doubt it. It's now it's 14 to 18 times, but I think it's probably more than that because if you're scrolling through Facebook, because you used Facebook as an example, what are the chances you're actually going to remember an ad yeah. or even content that you weren't looking for and was not funny or grabbed you by the heart because it's gut-wrenching or whatever it may be, some sort of evoking an emotion. If it's just content from a law firm, a marketing company, a healthcare company, doesn't matter. The probability that you're actually going to notice it, small. Very small. 
you're small unless you have seen that face before and for whatever reason that face stuck out yeah you got to do things uh you, you got to stand out and so like one of my favorite content strategies is to shoot selfie style really informal content in front of landmarks and then run a geo-targeted campaign so like i'll give you an example like in my hometown there's a dollar general it's the only thing in my hometown okay and my very first ad was me in front of the dollar general and i basically say you know, my name's Herne Garnett. I'm a personal injury lawyer in Huntsville, uh, but I grew up right here. I remember when this Dollar General was built. I went to high school right across the street at Danville High School. I hope you never need me, but if you do, I want to help you if you're in an accident and you've been injured. I'm like that's it. Run it on like an eight mile radius, and you know, spend five hundred bucks and show it to a bunch of people, thousands. Yeah, produce. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I noticed like tick ticks, but the but but the uptick is not. Um, it's hard to attribute specifically to ads, but there's a, definitely a correlation. Like these are people that they already knew me for the most part, or they knew my family, or they knew somebody that knows me or that I represented. But yeah, the correlation's there. But I can't solely attribute any leads to to this brand because it's a branding. You know, it's not a lead generation campaign. It's a branding campaign. Yeah. It's not one thing or another. It's everything combined. Yeah. And even like these guys, these billboard TV lawyers that run ads all over, you know, spend millions of dollars a month, they are still trying to stay top of mind. They still see, even if they've spent $100 million the last 10 years, they still see ups and downs when they increase and decrease their spending. Yeah, absolutely. Something that you said that caught my mind, you said that instead of expanding geographically, you'd probably start by expanding in the practice areas. So let me run this call of thought by you. I've interviewed a great business mind in the legal world, Sam Malay, also a young guy, probably his mid-30s now. He went from owning one firm to now owning seven firms. The difference between each firm is the practice area. He did not want to mix up the message. And his firm number one does, for example, PI. Firm number two does estate planning. Firm number three does criminal defense. His marketing is off the hook and his results are incredible. Every firm does seven figures. And he is managing them very part-time. He is an attorney, doesn't practice law very much. He built, he is known for here. I actually have his book and I'm not promoting him, but it's a good book. If I know you like reading books. Good guy, he's all over social. He's like, I do everything, including business management through virtual assistants. Like he hired a great virtual assistant who is his business manager, operates seven firms for him. He's like, my amount of time spent on operating each one, relatively small. So what do you think about, instead of adding practice areas to Garnett Patterson, the name of your law firm, actually expanding yeah. and building additional brands could be of like same name but Garnett Patterson estate planning Garnett yeah. Patterson you know defense instead of having everything under one roof and the reason why I'm bringing it up is in my experience with most small law firms and when I say small law firms you're under 10 million in gross revenue annual revenue you're small not tiny yeah. but you're very small whenever people see numerous practice areas more often than not, in competitive environments, because I do not know your environment very well. Our clients usually come from much larger markets. They get confused about what the law firm does. 
I agree. So we, um, my law partner takes about two criminal cases a month and we went back and forth on whether to have all of our practice areas on our main website or split off on separate domains, separate Google business profiles, separate social media. And what we ended up deciding is that we did want to have a separate, just keep them totally separate. Now we're the owner, we own the, you know, the LLCs, it's the same lawyers, you know, practicing the various types of law, but we do market them to- totally differently and we don't send mixed messages. I don't think it's a good idea to have a lot of practice areas on your website, on your Google business profile, on your Facebook, because it just sends mixed signals to Google. And if Google doesn't have a clear message of exactly what you're doing, they're just going to lump you in with the search term law firm. And I can tell you, you don't want to be the number one search result for just law firm because all you're getting is junk. You're not going to get any good calls. So so true. So true. We see it time and time and time and again. So it's, it's very interesting. I'm going to sum up your strategy. If you were to expand, it would be small markets, which I absolutely love. Yeah. The truth of the matter is that in just about any professional service, you can make more money by going into small markets. Yeah. I can expand on that and say that an oncologist, a generalist oncologist, not a specialist in like one type of cancer, but an oncologist in a smaller market than Chicago can make two and a half times more. I see it with my own eyes than an oncologist of the same experience who's gone to the same school at very similar residence and fellowship in Chicago. Yeah. And the reason for that is the oncologist in Chicago is competing with 10,000 other oncologists for that, arguably for that job, because there are so many oncologists, but oncologists in Indianapolis, three hour drive from here, a market that's 10 times small, but it still is a metro area, can easily make, could you not, two and a half times, 250% more per year, because there aren't as many oncologists. So hospitals pay them more. Yes, they load them up with more work. Hospitals pay them a lot more because of the market that they're in. There's just less competition. So first, and this kind of reminds me of Sam Walton's strategy going back 70 years ago when he was like, I'm not going to go into major metropolitan areas. I am going to go into rural communities and build these mega stores. You're not building a mega store, but you are going in this as of now, you are in that small community and you are dominating that small community, although you've only been in business for 17, 18 months. So that's really important. You started off with just one practice area and as you will be expanding, I believe that you are going to be expanding based on everything that I'm hearing from you. They're going to be still separate brands as to not confuse Google and more importantly, not confuse your marketplace. And the overarching strategy there is build your presence in the community. And one thing that really struck me, you said, you have to pick a community that's a lot like you so that you connect with them better. I really like that. Yeah, if not a lot like you, they don't have to be like, I mean, it is easier if if you're familiar with the concept of tribes. We just, we gravitate towards people that we have similarities with. So it is best to be like your target market. But as long as you understand your target market and you enjoy the type of people that they are, it still may be a good fit. They don't have to be just like you. Got it. So I'm thinking if I was a young attorney just thinking about going on my own right now and I live in Chicago, 
I don't necessarily love living in such a large metropolitan area. The way that I would take your advice, I would start looking in smaller markets. I would hire someone who understands Google, someone who could tell me like, okay, in this market, there is so much search volume for this practice area, this practice area, this practice area, this practice area. And this is how saturated it is with other providers. Just to understand demand versus supply. And if I can see myself fit into the market, yeah, that's, going there and building a community. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. You know, many young attorneys, the first thing they do, the first thing I did was figure out where their office is going to be before they do anything else. And we may be thinking about it backwards. It may be that you need to either have a marketing company or consult with somebody and get an idea where the most optimum place for your, for your office is. You know, the suburbs of major cities are good, too, because here's the thing. If you're in downtown Chicago, you probably need at least 500 Google reviews before you even have a shot at being in the map, the, the top three and showing up consistently. You may need like a thousand. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked. Whereas if you go to, um, you know, an hour from downtown Chicago, you could probably rank with, I would guess, 50 reviews would be probably a lot. So anyway. you're, spot, you're spot on in one sense. There, there's one thing that you probably do not know. So Google Maps now allows you advertising. So you can actually advertise right there and you will show up in the local map pack next to that map. But we did a quick study. I think 10 mile radius around downtown Chicago has 517 PI firms. Wow. It's almost as competitive as it gets. It's Chicago, Miami, and New York incredibly saturated markets and you're absolutely right like the way that most attorneys decide where they're going to open their office or the way they think about starting their businesses backwards like if they were an experienced business person just like sam walton back in the 50s or 60s he was like where can i dominate the market it was not chicago it was not new york it was not la it wasn't even birmingham he wanted a small community because he knew that once he puts in a Walmart there, he's going to get a lot of people. No matter how you feel about Walmart, but you think that they're evil because they've destroyed so many mom and pop operations, which they did, but the strategy was right. So if I was a business builder of an attorney and I was looking to make a name for myself and more importantly, build a solid business, I think that your strategy is spot on. Just go to those communities where there are not a lot of lawyers, but substantial amount of demand. And you can gauge that demand quickly. Somebody who knows how to measure the search volume on Google for any community and for any specific keywords, for any practice areas, they can tell, I can tell you that in under 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you just look at just how saturated the market is and you're like, all right, that 10 lawyers who do estate planning, there are 50,000 people who live here and there's a thousand searches per month. And by the way, all of these 10 lawyers, well, nine out of 10, don't know how to market on Google. I think I got a serious shot here, but if I go to downtown Chicago, it will probably take me 20 years to accomplish that in Chicago of what I could accomplish in the small community in three. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, uh, you can rinse and repeat too. You, know, you can mm -hmm. take that print and you can put it in, you know, a radius 50 miles outside of Chicago in every direction. And you could still live and work in downtown Chicago. That's where you want to be, but you've got your your satellite offices spread out. Now it gets a little tricky. You know, there's some rules on that on what Google requires in order for you to have a valid 
uh, satellite office. But I think it's I think it's the play. I think it's a waste of money. I think you could spend a million dollars in four or five years on digital marketing SEO in a major city like Chicago, New York City, and maybe not get anything out of it. You might not get a single case out of it. You'll get you'll get a lot of cases for that type of investment. You'll get a lot of cases. So you just got you just got to think about it simply. So your competitors, be it Morgan and Morgan or anybody else in that space, they know that they will be investing in the PI space yeah. and maybe metropolitan areas, fifteen to twenty five percent into case acquisition costs. So if the case is worth ten grand, you can rest assured, fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars is going to go into getting that case. That's it. Nobody's going to spend fifty percent. Nobody's going to spend forty percent unless they're insane. Right? Well, but 15, I, is kind of a given. I'm kind of thinking about SEO. Like I think you could spend twenty grand a month on SEO for four years in a big city, and maybe still not be the number one, you know, uh, search result in generating a significant amount of volume. But uh, I could be wrong. You, you, you're wrong. I could tell you that because that's what we do. So here's how you're wrong. If you're in major metropolitan area and you're just starting out and you have that type of spending power, $20,000 a month, 99% mm -hmm. of your competitors will never dare. Even if they had the money, they'll never dare. Quarter of a million dollars a year, for four years, that's a million dollars. You can once again rest assured, you're going to get the ROI of probably six to seven times of what you're investing into this. Again, because the formula stands pretty clear. Given time, energy, and money, the right type of energy, the right people working on this, for every dollar that you put in, you will be getting four to seven dollars back. And the reason for that is your competitors are sane people. Like if you're Morgan and Morgan, you're spending. John Morgan is very public about it. 2022, $1 billion in revenue. Marketing and advertising spent 16%, $160 million. It's not going to go and spend half a billion dollars to get a billion. Just operationally, it makes the financially, it makes no sense. So he's a very sane guy. I got to speak to Glenn Lerner last September at the conference. He didn't disclose. He told me that they spent $37 million and they're one of the top PI firms in the country. 37 million. And I'm like, well, how many lawyers do you have? He's like, 450. You can do the math, right? It, it's never 40 or 50%. So it it's just, when it comes to marketing and advertising, it's pure math once you have your numbers down. But I really like your strategy. I think it's very refreshing. I don't know of any law firm that's doing it. If today I was to invest in the law firm and it was like a private equity fund and I had the ability across state lines to invest into law firms, I'd be like, let's not worry about the big metropolitan areas. Let's, yeah. go, crush, let's go crush it. Let, let's find good lawyers in those locations help them build their businesses and we're going to take the 20 percent of profit and everybody's going to be super happy yeah if you've if any of your listeners are in a relatively small town you know i'd say a market less than a million in the greater metro area or a, or a city less than two hundred thousand. let's talk because there's a i think there's a lot of opportunities there i mean and it's a you know, now the downside to what I'm talking about is no, you can't write a check and do it like like John Morgan can't. He could put his he could funnel his hundred and sixty million a year into every small town and in, in the country. And I don't think he'd get a whole lot out of it. 
uh, because he's not there, boots on the ground, getting to know the actual people. But uh, but if somebody's willing to, if they enjoy this kind of stuff, I mean, yeah, I can show anybody how to build a practice like this. It's not hard. It just takes muscle. And you got to be a good person. People pick up on that quickly. Would you hypothetically want to partner up with people and actually like help them build that business? Because what you've done in under 18 months is so remarkable. So you have things figured out. I think about it this way. Like, can you franchise a law firm in a way? You can. Yeah. It's just systems. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, I don't think I've, I'm going to stay in my lane for the most part. I mean, I'm 30 years old. You know, I want to practice for another at least 20 years. But uh, I would help anybody just informally, you know, hopping on Zoom calls here and there. I would love to have a mastermind of, you know, a dozen lawyers that are thinking like I am and have creative ideas. And we're all community focused and we meet once a month for an hour and just say, like, hey, I'm trying this and it's working. Hey, I tried this. It didn't work. Just talk through our problems. Because you're right. It is hard. It's hard to find folks with a practice kind of like this. I think it will be easier to find, in, and I know a few, it will be easier to find attorneys who have sharp business acumen ra rather than that focus on community building. This is something that you can teach others. Yeah. I don't think that most lawyers know this concept. And the reason why I'm saying this is, again, I've spoken to probably thousands. I've never heard anybody talk about community building. It's just unusual that's why i think you can teach them that let me see if i could uh connect you with a couple of people some clients some yeah, are not clients. yeah so so you may find um could be very interesting so uh two offers that are coming out of this podcast number one you'll be happy to help somebody who's also in a small community with just some advice how do people connect with you um so i'm on linkedin i'm fairly active on linkedin i'm on facebook I'm real easy to find deliberately because, uh, you know, my little community loves Facebook. And then, uh, yeah, those are probably the two best places to get in touch with me. My, my email address is probably on my website, but uh, no, I know it's on LinkedIn. Got it. So Hunter Garnett, the website is HuntsvilleInjuryLawyers.com. Yeah. Yep. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for sharing the insights. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.